I think we need to speak to ourselves sternly, but kindly. Sternly, but with grace. We are learning. We are getting better. Not every day is a perfect day. However, if we don't raise our own expectations, we never meet them. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we bring you Carrie Wilkerson. This is our second interview with Carrie. Our first show was episode 394, titled The Labels That Bind and Free Us. That's been downloaded over 52,000 times. What is the topic of our conversation today? The point? By the fact that you are here listening, we know you are an aspiring person. Carrie exists to take aspiring people to be achieving people. Literally, we all aspire, but do we always do what we aspire to? To take us from aspiring to actually achieving? I mean, is anyone hearing this okay to always aspire but never actually achieve? Well, of course not, uh, which is why you want to strap in and hear this discussion. If you don't know Carrie, she's been featured on CNN, Fox Business News, Success, and Entrepreneur Magazines, named by Forbes as a top small business influencer. Carrie's consulted with Google, other business thought leaders on growth step strategies, productivity, and current trends. However, Carrie mostly enjoys helping ordinary people lead extraordinary lives. She's worked from home for over 20 years while raising four kids, and her focus is showing people how to transform their lives, bodies, relationships, and bank accounts. You can connect with Carrie at Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, Wilkerson, W-I-L-K-E-R-S-O-N dot Come. And folks, in the circles that we run around with in Ziggler and in the podcast world, uh, Carrie seems to come up just about everywhere. Anybody who is somebody to a degree, the big influencers out there have harnessed Carrie and her message and her heart and her energy. So she is somebody, again, just proud to bring to you today. Before we dive in, here are some offerings I think are worth your while. Okay, folks, well, if you're ready, here we dive in with Carrie Wilkerson. All right, well, Carrie, we have known each other for quite some time. And as I often welcome guests to the Ziggler studio, 95% of the time that is a virtual studio. So thank you and bless you for being here face to face in my office to do this with me. Great honor. It's so exciting. And, you know, we've known each other for, I would say, almost 10 years now. And this is the first time we've actually ever laid eyes on each other in that human form. Is the weird digital age. Isn't that, that crazy? Do. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like that. I've seen your face a thousand times. I but. know. Our, our kids have aged. We're, uh-huh. we're older, but this is our first same time, same space. It is. Well, thank you. And so I'm going to hit you right there. We just had a nice, lovely lunch up here at the Swiss Chalet in the high Rocky Mountains that my wife got to join. And she made a statement in talking with you about, there it is, isn't it all, all this effort, everything we're doing is about family and relationships. And that does seem to be at the heart of everything that you do. It absolutely does. It's the reason I started my first business. I um, loved what I did. I was a high school teacher. I had also been in the government sector and in the private sector. And I had done a little bit of everything. But when I adopted my older two kids and became a mom, everything changed. And I decided to start working at home because they needed me there at the house. And that's not, a, that's not a statement about where everyone needs to be. I'm saying because of the needs of those two particular children, I needed to be at the house with them. And so therefore, everything changed around them, meaning the way I earned my income had to be different too. Well, you are known in some, you even have it on your website as when you need that little push or kick of uh, tough love as well. And yet, you can't be pigeonholed in that perspective because you are also very quickly self-effacing with your own journey. But there's a balance there. And I wonder you, as, as Carrie, as this author and speaker and presenter and influencer, that you are charging people in a tough love aspect to come on. Let's go do it. Let's make the, You need to make this happen. Even as you are admittedly day-to-day on your own journey, you balance that well. Yeah, it's a, um, somebody said to me recently, it's like combining sweet tea with also ginger snaps. So there's a fine line there. Um, you know, I think we need to speak to ourselves sternly, mm. but kindly. 
sternly, but with grace. So I talk to myself the same way I talk to my clients. I have the same expectations of myself that I have of my kids, but in all things grace, right? So we are learning, we are getting better. Not every day is a perfect day. However, if we don't raise our own expectations, we never meet them. That I like. We don't raise our own expectations. And we talked a little bit about this, even at lunch, of the aspect of, of aspiring. Or, you know, one thing, be, and I'll take it a step, you know, it's one thing to be inspired, okay? We can get excited and be hopeful about something. It's another thing to actually aspire. I like that word. I, I like words. You do like that word. And last time we talked, if you guys are junkies and listened, last time you and I talked, you said, what's the label everybody gives themselves? And I said, aspiring. Okay. They label themselves as aspiring and they have a hard time labeling themselves as achievers. They're always striving and aspiring to the next thing. So at some point we have to say, we have to say, yes, I'm aspiring, but also I'm going to, I'm going to congratulate myself for eating well today. I'm going to congratulate myself for sleeping well or for moving my body today instead of saying, ah, I still have that five more pounds. Ah, I still have, you know, so we have to aspire, yes, but we also have to raise our expectations, meet them, and give ourselves some grace when we mm-hmm. miss the mark, maybe, but we're still doing better than we were. Okay. You, on that note, in a recent or in a video that I watched, you talked about you were on stage speaking for an hour to 4,400 people, I think, uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And you said, the reality is I'm not speaking for an hour. I'm speaking for 4,400 hours. Uh-huh. I love that. So right here, you are speaking to 50,000 hours uh, in this show. And in that, is that a primary foundation, I'd say crux of all your messages is that to move from aspiration to achiever. I, I like that. I, I like that. It, it does feel like that's, that's, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think, and, and I would even say your numbers are bigger than that. Even if you think you have 50,000 downloads or 50,000 listeners, let's think of the people they're telling or think of the people they're True. changing in their house around their dinner table. We touched on that in our earlier conversation. Yeah that our, our food choices affect not only us, but the, our families, how, how the trickle down is. So the way I've always approached my work mm. is that I'm not responsible for the one hour I'm on stage. I'm responsible for all the human hours that are taken up by me being there. And if I'm speaking to parents, I'm also responsible for their hours away from their family mm-hmm. or their hours when they go back and download to their family. What's the ROI? on them listening to me? What's the ROI of my impact on them? So that's a big responsibility for us as parents. That's a big responsibility for us as achievers or aspirers or, you know, Ziggler followers or, or people that have a message. It's not about the one sale or the one person listening. It's about the ripples. Okay. Ripples. So you in starting with, let's start with that first person though. You have been on this path for a long time, started off with the barefoot executive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to put you into a speaking to women role in that perspective. And yet now you are speaking to more and more corporations mm-hmm. and people on a wide level. But when it comes down to it, as we sit here in the room with uh, somebody who's helping you work on your book right here, who do you end up writing to? Who is the person sitting in front that you still find yourself late at night with pen to paper or fingers to keyboard? Who are you writing to? I tend to talk to and write to the person that's having a hard time seeing what's possible. Mm. So my goal, the way I've evolved my mission statement, as it were, is to help others who know there's something different or who know there's something more, help them see what's possible with their own gifts, their own life, their own talent, their own skills, their own family, their own scenarios and situations, and even geography, help them see what's possible. If I can be that girl that through my mess or my testimony or my success or my journey or my, my uh, self-deprecating jokes, uh, if I can be the girl that helps somebody go, oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Wow. If she can do that, then, then I can see me doing this or I can see me reaching that. Oh, if her kid can reach that or if her family or, you know, one of my favorite examples is the fact that I'm so open about our adoption story that we know personally of hundreds of adoptions that are because of my family and my parents' Mm. family, because of our 
sharing and our helping people possible. So my goal is to help people see what's possible, not to help people see what's perfect. That's what sets me apart from a guru business. A guru business, the don't you want to be like me business? I don't want to be in that business. I don't want you to be like me. I'm a hot mess. Don't be like me. But I want you to see what's possible for you. And if that just means a healthier you, a wealthier you, a happier you, a more present, a more engaged, a happier relationship you, whatever that looks like, that's my goal is to help you see what's possible. So I am in this, the Ziegler show, we are focused on guests who, where personal development is the primary yeah. focal point and inspiration as well. And that, that, that may be a big part of what they do. I look at you as you're the epitome of that focus of personal development, of, of self-help, of making it happen for yourself and through yourself, other people as well. But when you talk about that, look at that the key person is helping somebody who's having a hard time seeing what is possible. What do you see in, I know we could say this in all of lifetime, but times change and, and environments change and, and different things do today. For that person, what is the biggest enemy for most, the biggest obstacle standing between them, their desires, and that understanding that there, there should be more possible, but having a hard time really embracing it and committing to it? It's big. Um, I, I think the number one thing is we are really, really comfortable being uncomfortable. We're really comfortable being 15 to 20 to 30 pounds overweight. We're really comfortable carrying an average size of debt. We're really comfortable hating our job or we're really comfortable with being okay with our spouse, but not having a fairy tale at home. We're really okay with our superficial spiritual life because this is the norm and it would be kind of painful to change it and it would be against status quo. So I think our biggest enemy is that we're comfortable being uncomfortable and the thought of change is painfully uncomfortable. So we're choosing a comfortable discomfort rather than pain. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So it's- I think it's Anthony Robbins that says, until the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of change, then yeah. change anything. And, and that's been quoted by other people and changed by other people. But it really is true. Um, I mentioned to your wife, Terry, that... There's a big gap in weight loss stories that you hear. You hear a lot of people saying they dropped their baby weight of 20 pounds, and then you hear people talking about 100 pounds. You don't hear a lot about the 30 to 50 pound stories. And why is that? That's because there's not a lot of those. We wait until we get to that out of control place before we do something. We wait until the seatbelt doesn't fit on the plane. We wait until we get stuck in the airplane bathroom. We wait until we break a chair or we wait until we have a, a, a morbid illness. Until we do something, we wait until we don't have a choice but to change. And so I think that's our number one enemy. The other, two, the other enemy, I would say, is that we, we can't see what's possible because we're so focused on what we think is impossible. Mm. Yeah. Um, this may be a controversial example, but, but I'm, I live in the South. So let's talk. It's hunting season, right? So we'll talk about... If we're, or we'll just talk about shooting at targets. If we're so busy looking at what we don't want to hit, we never shoot the middle of the target because we're so focused on everything else. When I was learning to drive, my dad would say, Carrie, look at where you want, where you want to go. Quit looking at where you're afraid you're headed because that's where you drift. So I think we are so focused on, here's another example related to weight loss, a woman who knows my story of weight loss, the other day contacted me. She said, I'm a little worried about weight loss. You look so toned. I'm worried about what my skin's going to look like if I drop all the weight that I need to drop. And I said to her, kindly, but sternly, how about we tackle that when we get there? Mm -hmm. It's more unhealthy to be very overweight than it is to have a lot of excess skin. So let's worry about getting healthy first. And then if that becomes an obstacle, we deal with that then. Right? Why, why derail yourself from being healthier because you're afraid of what the skin is going to look like? Why worry about, um, I don't want to pursue a relationship with this person because it's going to distract from, or how will I also balance, or X, Y, Z. We've got to quit worrying so much about what might happen and focus on where we want to be. That's, I think those are our two main obstacles. That's, no, I, so on the norm, you just mentioned the norm. 
and in talking about health. So in my, my work in the health and wellness arena, we are well aware that the norm of wellness has decreased. And now the norm is migraines and horrible PMS and uh, heartburn and hypertension. Those are the norms. And yet we go back not that long ago, those weren't the norms. And so our norm has declined. So not to be Debbie Downer, but I do love to get, if we are an, an aspiring audience who wants to move from achievement, let's get the cards on the table. And if the reality is that we're in a culture and a society right now where the, you mentioned expectations of ourselves, that that norm has decreased. Is that a battle you're fighting? Yeah, I think people have an expectation of graduating with student loan debt. People have an expectation that after you get married, everybody lets themselves, you know, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people have an expectation that once the kids come along, that then you don't date anymore. People mm-hmm. have an expectation that when you're building a business, you have burnout, you know, and you never see your family. So, um, and there's almost a merit badge for hustle yeah. now, which is ridiculous. And so I think, yeah, our norms have shifted in perception. But the fact is we have to remember that perception is not reality. Our reality is up to us. And here's another thing we talked about is I was at a dinner. Well, even at lunch today, we all ordered really high quality, amazing, smart choices. There were a lot of things on the menu. And we, as people that are fueling our bodies in smart ways, we didn't even discuss it. We're just like, yep, that's what I'm having too. That's what I'm having too. And so I think we have the ability to adjust our norm. We don't have to be victims to a norm, some other random media outlet or social media or friend sets for us or okays for us. We can change that. Hey, friends, I want to pause just a moment to bring you some great sponsors that brought you today's show. Okay, so here's, here's a, a heart of personal development question. When we look at, we were talking about radical eating as we yeah. were at the, at the thing, and a, a book that I'm really enamored with right now, the doctor in that says, when he has people ask, so you want me to eat you know, really radical? He said, no, no, I want you to realize that the way we've been eating for the past 200 years or so only, uh, that's radical. The, yeah. the amount of processed foods and the, and the, the sugar and the brown you know, meal, uh, that's radical. I'm just trying to get you back to normal. Real. Real, real. Okay, so in this, in this aspect of, of personal development, if our norms are declining to then say, no, I am not going to accept that, does it not, I'm going to give you two questions here, does it not make those who do want to pursue better even maybe a little bit more isolated than ever? And how can people deal with that of realizing, okay, I'm going to have to go eat different, live different, aspire different, achieve different than everybody I know? That's, that's daunting as well. Um. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, we're kind you know, that's a hard one to sorry. Well, and 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 the truth is achievers, we want to be set apart, right? So set yourself apart. Why is the norm a fifty thousand dollar vehicle that you trade in every two years and you never get out of? Why is the norm that we never pay off our houses anymore? Uh, It's our friend Dave Ramsey that says, live like no one else so you can give and live like no one else, right? Do what no one else does so that you can live like no one else does. And the Joneses are overrated and they're they're one pink slip away from foreclosure and their kids may be in private school, but then they're going to go get $100,000 a year of student mm-hmm. loans, you know, and, and they're unhappy and they never see each other and they're not present or engaged. And, you know, why is the norm that we lease our phone for the love? Why is that normal? It's normal because we're complacent. And if we want to do different, if we want to be different, if we want to achieve and we have, have to have high expectations then, you know, in Texas, I'd say we have to cowboy up and we have to say, yeah, I'm different. And that's what makes me pretty great. Yeah. I'm willing to sit here and eat salmon while you guys have fried chicken and mashed potatoes with gravy. And I'm okay with that. And it doesn't mean, now here's also a problem is then when we then turn vigilante, right? It doesn't mean I'm sitting here judging all your food choices. I may observe it. I may think it's interesting and I may be proud of myself for not feeling myself that way anymore because I've been there and done that, as you know. Um, but it, but it does mean I'm okay fueling myself 
the way that I want to fuel myself. There, there are some benefits to being middle-aged and being a strong Southern woman of strong convictions where I can say, you know, at this stage of my life, your opinion only matters to me if, strong statement, y'all, don't judge, if you're in the shower with me, <laughs> you're in the sheets with me, or you're helping me raise my kids. Right. Those are the qualifiers for my own personal life. And that boils down to, of course, mm-hmm. you know, my life partner, business partner, husband at this point, or, but, but that can apply to a lot of situations. If your parents are helping you raise your kids, if you have, you know, a supportive ex right. helping you, then those are the people that get to feed into your perceptions and decisions and opinions. Why are you worried about what everybody else thinks about what you're eating? Why are you worried about what everybody else thinks you're spending? Or driving. I drive a 2014 Subaru Cross Trek. It is carrot orange. And I love it. It does not fit my entire family, Kevin. When my older kids are at home, we have to take two cars. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I get 30-something miles a gallon. It's a great color. I never lose it in a parking lot. It's my signature color. And it's fun to drive. And it's affordable. And I could care less that my friends are in Lexuses or new SUVs or whatever. I could care less. It's a choice for my family. My husband drives an Altima, you know, and we drive our cars till the wheels fall off. And that's just what we do. We live in a normal house in a normal cul-de-sac in a normal neighborhood. And we downsized when the older two kids moved out. We don't keep upsizing with lifestyle. We just don't. It's, it's not our choices. And I what anybody thinks about the hotel where we stay or, any of those things, um, my life choices are my life choices. And I have to be okay with how my faith reconciles with that, what the Lord thinks of me. I, I've said a lot that there are three men in my life I'm worried about pleasing. And one is the Lord, obviously. And one is my dad, who I so respect and honor. And then the other is my husband, right? If they approve of what I'm wearing, then it's good dress code, right? If they approve of where I'm going or who I'm spending time with or how I'm doing my choices, not to say my mom's opinion doesn't matter, but those are the three men that I'm worried about. I'm not dressing for other men. I'm not striving to please other people or get validation from other people. So in that vein of you know, walking to the beat of your own drum, but then you also, I like that you said that it's not about being a vigilante. And I know that you uh, as an individual and to your audience, to your subscribers, your followers, you're not having them all go out in yourself as well and be an island unto themselves. Yeah. You call them then to, I know this way back when with Barefoot uh, Executive that you had a membership group. You had people who were coming together with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of that for well, those re- people. Relationship is important. Yeah. And we can make different choices than people we have relationship with. Mm. That's a whole grace conversation. That could be a theology conversation. And that could be something that we can say churches maybe aren't getting right right now. Is that the fact is we don't have to be alike to be in a relationship. We don't have to agree to be in a relationship. And I don't have to condone your choices to be in a relationship. We're called to relationship. We're called to love. And we're called to grace. And so I can disagree with your eating choices or how you are carrying your weight or your health. And I could be frustrated about that. And I could still love you. You know, so grace and community is important. We cannot alienate ourselves. We cannot, uh, we cannot internalize. We cannot be martyrs. We cannot wear the sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes of, oh, I have to be different. We can be different and we can strive to be better and we can be our best version of ourselves, run, run the race as if to the prize, right? We can do that and still know the value of people humans. We are called, whether you worship formally or not, we're called to be the church body. We're called to um, love on other believers and love on unbelievers. And that may be believers in our theology, believers in our business, believers in our body, our lifestyle, or whatever, but we're called to community. I mean, that's that's basic for sake, not the assembling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So on this aspect of aspire and achievement, aspiration and achievement. And that audience that's sitting out in front of you, that's listening right here, that are people that maybe want to move from aspiration to achievement. Uh, This is probably an unfair question, but in this age of superhero dumb, if you could give them a superpower, an insight, an understanding, if you could just give them that nugget, what would it be? Where would you start? 
that's interesting that you put it in superhero dumb because we just watched um, Justice League a few weeks yeah. ago. And, um, and then Wonder Woman is one of my new favorites. I think there are so many solid principles. I'm not a superhero follower. I don't pick one side of the superheroes versus the other. I couldn't even, I think it's DC Marvel, but I can't, I don't even know. I don't even know. All I know is that one of my friends from high school illustrates all of them. He's like the head comic at, at the, at the house that does all that. But, um, I will say the Wonder Woman, I had a had a lot of amazing belief principles. And I would say one of her strongest superpowers is belief. And in the opening of Justice League, when she is like kicking some tail and taking names all by herself, somebody says, what are you? They added some expletives in there. I'm editing for the Ziggler show. And she said, I'm a believer. Wow. Fade to black, right? And I, I wanted to stand and cheer and say, that's it. So I would say a superhero power is I have an incredible belief in people. And that's why I'm an encourager. I'm a professional encourager. And if I could give people the, the superhero power of just believing that things could be different for themselves and being able to believe that even when it's dark, even when it's hard, even when it hurts even when, you know, it's not going right. That's a huge, huge superpower. Now, I will say that when I walked out of Justice League, I thought, you know, all of their superhero powers were pretty cool, right? You had the aqua guy. I'm going to say it wrong and you're going to get letters. Don't send those letters to me. Send them to the Ziggler people. And, but, but, you know, the Aquaman who had his thing. And then you have, um, have the Flash, who's super fast, even though he's socially awkward, and then you have Wonder Woman, who has those awesome bracelets and um, and her jumping and all those things, and then you have Batman, and really his only superpower. And they ask him, "What's your superpower?" He's like, "I'm rich," I'm like, and that's not a bad superpower either. And so, if that's a superpower of you earning more and maximizing what you can do, so you can do good, you know, that's how we provide clean water. That's how we sponsor children in other countries. That's how we help with adoptions. So money is not a bad superpower either, but I would say the core of that is belief. And if we're looking at Napoleon Hill or Bible days, the core is as we believe that that's what we are. Ziegler himself would say, we cannot consistently perform on a basis above which we truly believe about ourselves. And I know I'm paraphrasing that. But after all these years, I have a right to paraphrase, right? We cannot consistently perform in a manner that exceeds what we believe about ourselves. That's why people regain weight. They don't believe they're thinner and healthier. That's why people that win the lottery go bankrupt. They, they can't grasp that they're wealthy or that they have to handle their money differently. That's why people that have had bad relationships have a hard time sustaining good relationships because they constantly believe they're cheaters or they constantly believe they're unworthy they constantly believe all those things. And so belief that things can be different, better, clear enough, I think would be the superpower I would imagine. Oh. I, you do. And uh, it's interesting you say you have this incredible belief in people because that was the heart of Zig, which I think is, I would say, that's why you're on the Ziggler documentary is that shared uh, that shared feeling. Well, so on this aspect of belief in your new book, move the needle, you talk in there about radical transformation in different areas of life, but let's go that, to that belief because I think when people hear the message, you know, when they're in the crowd, they're uh, listening to the show right now to hear that message of the possibility of radical transformation, we can nod our heads to it, yeah. but that was actually, you just literally hit the question that I had, it, do you feel like for most of us, and I'll include myself in here, that, that the struggle is that while we can nod our heads at the possibility of radical transformation, actually believing that we can do it is a huge stumbling block. Yeah. So here's, here's the breakdown. We believe it's possible for other people right. because they're luckier or they have better genetics or they have more time, more help, more support or whatever, different, whatever. Um, we believe it for them. We want it for ourselves, mm-hmm. but we have a hard time seeing how to bridge that gap. And part of that breakdown 
I, I blame on reality shows okay. and before and after pictures. We see the before, we see the after, we don't see the messy middle. Mm-hmm. And we're like, that's what I want. But I want to skip all that in between. I want the before, I want the after, but I don't want the messy middle. I want to go from my little house to this fabulous big house like Ty Pennington did on Extreme Home Makeovers, but I don't want to go through the expense or the construction zone or moving out or whatever that looks like. I want to be debt-free like they're all screaming on Dave Ramsey's show, but I really don't want to have to sacrifice for two years to get there or work. I don't want to deliver pizzas. I, you know, I don't want to do anything in my extra part-time. So I think what we forget are the steps and the preps. So one of my good friends is a speaker named Allison Levine, and she led the first female team up Everest. She was the captain of the American women's team of Everest. She actually didn't make it the first time. They had to turn around when they were almost at the summit because a storm came in. And in order to save their lives, she had to make that decision to come back down the mountain. Because people are not often killed on the way up. It's the coming down that kills them, right? Because they're out of supplies or storms or whatever. But the second time, she took them up. But what she says is, you know, people will set the goal for climbing Everest, but they forget all the steps that are in between, like the shape you have to be in or the fact that it's a three-month journey. The fact that base camp itself is a feat that most people don't even know. And then you do base camp and then you go up to level one and then down and then up and then down. You have to acclimate. And then you do level two and then all the way back down to base camp. You know, it's a whole big process. People say, I want to climb Everest, Mm, but that's too big. Can't do that. And they dismiss it out of hand. If I had ever said to myself, I want to lose 150 pounds, I never... I never could have. I never would have. It would have sabotaged me. So I think we can believe it's possible, but the, the reality is we have to embrace the steps and the preps and what we have to see in Move the Needle are the little things that add up. And we have to have value in the moment, in the minutes, in the right now. When we're trying to pay off $100,000 worth of debt, we have to value the dollar, not just the thousand. Oh, it's only $5. Oh, it's only Starbucks. Oh, it's only. It's only. Well. The onlys are what get you 150 pounds overweight. The onlys are what sacrifices your marriage or your relationship with your kids. The onlys are the reason, you know, why I'm late on my book. And so my publisher is actually in the room stalking me on this trip because, Hi, because I'll just, you know, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll get to yeah. it later. Oh, today doesn't matter. Today doesn't matter. And when the todays don't matter, they add up into a life of no change. So we have to make today matter. We have to make the minutes matter. We have to make the, de- the decisions matter. So. Yes, massive transformation is possible, but we have to do it one one needle tick at a time. Okay, well, on and on that note, in our upcoming show, folks, I'll give you the teaser as we go through uh, Carrie's habits and we talk about the uh, weight loss. She just mentioned uh, losing 150 pounds, so we'll talk a little bit about the messy middle between the before and after pictures that I just saw a minute ago. So, okay, we're going to stick with this thread here, and you have a video on your YouTube channel, folks. You can go to YouTube, put in Carrie Wilkerson. The video is called "Remodel Yourself." I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read from it right here. Uh, well, I'm going to pair. I'm going to. I'm going to cite. This, you said this. The only difference between you and the people on stage, or authoring a book, or talking on a podcast, or radio, or TV, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the leaders and influencers and people achieving significant success are things that can be fixed. Okay, so that's a big crux. For me, because again, we're going, we're right back to belief because I think we hear that and we go, okay, yeah, but do we really consciously bring that into mind and state that belief of, no, I can fix that. I mean, we've got a huge battle against our past, against our surroundings, against those who are closely related to us. So again, that belief that, that they're going to hear that statement, folks go there and listen to the video, but when they hear that, when could you say it point blank? And you, I think that was a video that you were, it was a very tough love video mm-hmm. uh, on that one. And that you say anything different because we all, who doesn't want to be on stage and folks, and I speak to this a lot. It may not be that you want to be on stage. Yeah, like it's a, a metaphorical stage. Thank you. Yes. It may be, you want to be able to influence your kids or mm-hmm. you may be able to get a promotion at work or start your own business or whatever, something that's going to uh, enable you to perform above the norm that we're mm-hmm. talking about here. And you're saying those things, anything keeping you from that can be fixed. But there we are. Yeah. Is it a medical fix? Is it a mental fix? Mm-hmm. Is it a skill fix? Is it a, a, a body weight or a health fix? There is really nothing going on with you 
that you can't modify or fix in some way if it's an obstacle. You know, let's look at Johnny Erickson Tata, who's a quadriplegic, had a diving accident, and she's a painter. (laughs) She's a painter. She holds a paintbrush in her teeth, Mm -hmm. and she paints, and she speaks. She, she's not mobile, but yet she speaks, you know, there is nothing different than, so you either have to fix it in your head or fix it physically, get over it or pay somebody to do something about it. Right. I mean, it's only stopping you. I was still a top performer in my company when I weighed 266 pounds. I didn't let that stop me. It hindered me in other areas, health-wise, energy-wise, other areas, but I didn't let it stop me from speaking or achieving or selling or those things that I was doing. So the fact is, it can be fixed. If you say, oh, well, if I was tiny like her, well, okay, so fix that. Oh, well, if I was blonde like her, well, y'all, hair color's an option, <laughs> right? If, if I XYZ like her, either get over it or fix it. It almost is that simple. If it's a skill set, if it's a language set, you know, you hear people all the time, this gripes me to no end. Gosh, I'd give my left arm to play piano later. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. She's practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. You wouldn't give up the time to practice like her. So really, you would not cut off your left arm to be able to, you know, that's not something she was born with. That's something she put in the time. So either put in the time or get over it. Or, or quit saying you want it when you don't want it enough to work for it. Okay. Can I expand sure. or ask you to expand on the aspect of fix? You talked about Everest. So I just recently, we had a great interview with Eric Weinmayer, yeah. uh, crested Mount Everest, and he's blind. That he didn't, did he fix his blindness? Would you say he found a fix? He found a fix. Okay. He fixed it. He couldn't see his way up. So what did he do? He paid somebody to help him get over that. He had a guide of some sort. Right, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he had a guide. So he he got around it. There's a, it's called a workaround, y'all. It's Good. a workaround. But what we're doing is we're using our differences between us and them. Quotations around them. Our differences between us and the people we perceive as influencers or achievers or better than or uh, the haves. We use the differences that we see that we pick apart as excuses to let ourselves off the hook so that we can remain remain in our own complacency. Yes. Oops. No, no, I know. I know. And you said something, Ouch. you said something, um, to that degree of that. We use those excuses and I'm going to do a bad paraphrasing to, to use those, those excuses to, to keep us from doing the yeah. things that we, yeah, the beliefs we have about other people and the beliefs we have about ourselves and the beliefs we have about our opportunities. We are using those things to justify our not taking action when really our lack of results is not based on what they have that's better. It's based on what we are not doing to achieve those same results. Okay. That's tough, Gary. It's hard. It is. All right. People say to me, well, I just could never give up bread, but then you just don't want it. Oh, I want to lose weight, but I just could never give up. Or gosh, I'm just such a sugar addict. I just have to find a way to do it where I can still have my sugar. Okay, then you don't want it. So just say what you mean. Don't say I want it if you know you're not gonna. Stop that mess. You're just lying to yourself and nobody believes it but you. So on this aspect of remodel, I think we understand that. If we're going to remodel the house, you know, the kitchen, do the cabinets, or even if we're going to remodel ourselves a little bit with a makeover and a hair and a, and a little Botox or whatever it may be, and we can see that. Let me, hey, 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 I have not had Botox. No, Let me I was, go and get I was the talking about train. myself. Oh, so okay. I, I do that for the wrinkles under my mm-hmm. eyes. So in that, that's one thing. But when we, again, get to this crux of the true personal development, do you find that when it comes down to it, to have that remodel is the hardest place to remodel that core belief about ourselves. Yes. And our daily habits because we think they don't matter. Okay. And because of neurological programming, we get up and we grab our cereal or we get up and we grab our coffee and we don't even know why. It's just part of our neurological programming. So we have to replace it or our, our, the way we talk to ourselves is huge stinking thinking, mm-hmm. right? So Ziegler made us all aware of stinking thinking and the way we talk to ourselves, and the way we talk to other people or the way we go, well, they're so lucky, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever noticed that when somebody else has something great going on in their life, because they're lucky. When we have something great going on, it's because we worked hard. 
Right. I, I'm sitting here thinking about, should I share this? Because this is in all, can I say in all humility? I, I, well, you know, we were blessed, my wife, Terry and I, with people who mentored us mm-hmm. early on in our parenting. God bless them because without them, I could claim nothing. Through their God-given guidance, we have, I have the best kids ever. Uh, we've got a lot of them. And it was, we were real aware that with the first kid, oh, you guys got lucky to have a well-behaved kid. And the second kid, different gender, different person. I saw, gosh, you're lucky to have a well-behaved kid. The third kid, different. And, and on down the line. And it was so paramount to me that, no, it, it's our daily habits. It's the guidance that we got. And we don't have to allow those excuses and accept that lesser normal. I mean, right. in this aspect of, again, remodel, and this came right from the video, and you said it a second ago, but you cite three options. I didn't want to give those a, a little bit of focus from you. You said three options for fixing ourselves, alter it ourselves, pay somebody to do it, or choose to see it a different way. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I just, I kind of grappled with it a little bit. I do understand the third one, choose to see it a different way. I think that's probably the one that I struggle with as a doer and an achiever the most. And yet, well, I don't know, let's play with that. Cause when you look at Zig and his, the self-talk cards, one of the most popular things we've ever done on the podcast here and folks, you can always get those at Ziggler.com slash self-talk. And it is looking at ourselves in the mirror and speaking something different about ourselves. In essence, seeing ourselves a different way. But in reality, it doesn't really stop there. Because if you can actually see yourself in a different way, then you're back to, then you're right by proxy, maybe you're the number one. You're going to alter it yourself because you are going to change. True? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is that one, is that just, so pick and choose, which three do you want to do? Or it's just going to be circumstantial based on that? Well, I think it just depends on the situation. So. Um, for instance, let's talk about finishing a book. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're so lucky that they have time to write a book. Oh, it must be nice to be able to wake up and have all the time in the world to work on your book. Okay, so I can either carve out the time to work on my book. I can pay somebody to help me flesh it out, ghost write it, get it done, transcribe it, or I can choose to look at it a different way. Hmm, that person is very disciplined. That must be a priority in their life. Mm. That's why that works. So then which do I need to go to step A or step B? Mm -hmm. Or maybe their success is not even related to their book. Maybe that's a tool that they're using for something else. We're just so quick to excuse ourselves. Some people always say, Carrie, I need weight loss advice or I need debt advice or, and I'm always hesitant to give formulas and prescriptions. And here's why, because if I say, Um, and all of this, by the way, is just hypothetical. I did not use any of these diet programs. If I say, oh, I used Weight Watchers, the minute it comes out of my mouth, I have people in their head who will say, oh, I tried that once. It didn't work for me. And they quit listening to anything else I say. Other people that will say, um, oh, well, I can't afford that, or that has to do with counting, blah, blah, blah. That would never work for me. Or, oh, I can't afford that. Or conversely, the other 20 to 25% that'll go, oh, I'm going to go sign up for Weight Watchers because that's the secret, right? And that wouldn't matter if I said surgery, if I said low carb, if I said Jenny Craig, if I said the cabbage soup diet, I would have those same four responses. Oh, I tried that once. People dismiss the reasons why it doesn't work Mm -hmm. for them. Oh, well, of course she can build a business and go speak on stages. Her kids are older. Um, y'all, my kids were not born at this age. <laughs> they started as babies. I've been working at home since they were babies. Um, oh, well, of course you can do that because you're little. I didn't start as smaller. You know, I didn't start as debt-free. I didn't start as all these things. So they're very, we, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. they, we are quick to say why that won't work for me. Yeah. As you're talking here, I'm thinking that we are, I mean, again, we're here talking to each other face to face. We got Aaron in the room. We're all humans and we're all on this journey and we're speaking to uh, tens of thousands of people who do aspire. They do desire something more. And yet, why are we so quick to discount? We're at war with ourselves. Now we're back to the Bible, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we are at war with ourselves and we are. And it's because I said this earlier, we're our own stop sign. We're our own stop sign. We're our own bottleneck. But it's because we set the Everest goal. We see other people with their flag planted in the top, but we don't know how to get from here to there. We're afraid to take the first step because what if we have loose skin? 
Or what if we can't breathe again? Or what if I don't have enough oxygen? Or I saw that movie once where those people died. Or I can't afford to take time off work. You know, we start disqualifying it before we even put on our tennis shoes to walk around the block. Okay, there's your next book. Aaron's sitting here with (laughs) it. Your your next weight loss book is called What If I Have Loose Skin? Right. Okay. You know, we can't, we we skip to the XYZ and we stress out about the XYZ before we've started with A. If we did this with childbirth, no one would ever have children. Mm -hmm. But what happens if they disagree with me when they're 16? But they don't start at 16. You know, let's get through the infant stage first. Let's get through the whole pregnancy, childbirth, or even adoption, or even infertility. Let's conquer those battles first and figure out what to do next. So I think when people say, oh, I want to lose weight. Okay, great. What is one thing we can do to move the needle? What is one thing? Let's don't overwhelm ourselves. Let's replace one bad habit. That means today I drink only water. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to drink only water. Then I'm going to drink only water. Let's see if this week I can drink only water and see if that moves the needle on my habit. Yeah, that's radical. Water. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the, or let's say, what if I switched from artificial sweeteners to stevia? What if I went herbal? Or what if I just quit, quit eating things in a crinkly package? We call this crinkly snacks at my house. What if we just quit with the crinkle food? What if we only ate food in a normal Form. You talk about a radical diet. Have anybody ever looked at the molecular breakdown of a Dorito? I mean, that's radical. That's just bizarre. And after you've eaten clean for a while, you yeah. put something like that in your mouth and you go, ah, how did I, how did I used to like these? Um, so I think we just look at the one change and then we build up those small series of little successes, mm-hmm. those steps to and from the mailbox. When you talk to somebody who went from very inactive or very not physical to physical, invariably you hear a story of, they say, the biggest battle is putting on my tennis shoes. Mm. And then the next week, I put on my tennis shoes every day. And then the next week, I walked to and from the mailbox. And so other people will laugh and think maybe that sounds silly, but the, the battle in those people's heads of just getting on the tennis shoes, maybe even having to go buy the tennis shoes, and then walking to and from the mailbox, and then walking around the block, I mean, that's big. And that's how people make massive health transformations. That's how people will reverse the uh, denigrating, you know, joint conditions or obesity mm-hmm. is with the putting on your tennis shoes. One of the earliest things I did when I was losing weight this last time when I was finishing it up is what I like to say. My last few laps is I done the Kaizen method. That's not a diet, you guys. That's a, that's a process for one step at a time. And I started congratulating myself for not finishing something. Hmm. We're in a culture of clean your plate, mm-hmm. eat that before you do that, finish all your drink, don't be wasteful, right? I was raised as part of the clean your plate club. Mm-hmm. So if I really, really wanted a cookie or a donut, you made a donut joke earlier. If I really wanted a cookie or a donut or something, I had it, but I might leave a bite or I might leave half of it. And then instead of beating myself up, talk about radical and counterintuitive, instead of beating myself up for the half that I had or the bite that I had, I said, look at that. I left half of that. I'm going to throw it away. Ceremoniously, like throw it away. Be, you know, I didn't have to finish that. And that was okay. I didn't have to finish that. And I would celebrate those kind of things. When my girls get a chocolate bar or something, mom, you want to split this with me? No, but I'd love one square. And they look at me like I'm insane because who eats one square of chocolate? Well, you know what? After all these years of retraining myself, now I can. And I celebrate. I don't celebrate the one square that I ate. I celebrate that I was able to leave all the rest of the squares. But that happened one square at a time. Does that make sense? It does. It's significant. I'm feeling a little bit judged for being the only person at our <laughs> lunch that finished their plate. So I, I'm outside. No, I <laughs> But that's, that is huge to take that, that seemingly folly. I have the donut and to celebrate that you left a little on there. That's a, that's a gigantic paradigm shift. Well, another part uh, of your 
I don't know if I want to say platform, but you have another video that's called comparison will kill your progress. And I think you talked about it now though. I may be. Yeah. It's uh, that same keynote. I just broke it up. Okay. There you go. And you said, you know, you talk about the stories we make up about other people. Mm -hmm. And you said that statement again, to Mm -hmm. excuse ourselves from the activity we are not doing. (laughs) But on that with comparison, as you, as I listened to your message there and thought about that, to me, it's it's almost the crux of, of everything. I, the story I used to t- talk about is we got a late model minivan many uh, 15, 20 years ago, and it was awesome until somebody at church next to us, they hit the little button and their door opened all by itself. Well, now all of a sudden, <laughs> my minivan's not so cool. Right. And we laugh at that, but I don't I know it. how to get out of that because we can't be perfect. As you say, we can't be perfect and I can't ever be in a sense, well, this is what I got off that. I can't be the best at anything. Now I could be, I could maybe be the best dad to my kids because I am their dad yeah. or, or even spouse to my wife, but I'm never going to be the best podcast host. I'm never going to be the best businessman. I'm never going to be the richest person unless I'm Jeff Bezos. And then maybe so, but outside of that, I, I'm not going to be the best. I have to, in essence, make some peace with my place, but there's the, I don't know, help me because that's a tension because we don't want to just coast and, and acquiesce no. and, no, and we want to be our best us. Yes. But why are we even worried about them? But we do. That's, and that's what but, you get on. But it's, but it's, it's Satan. Okay. <laughs> that's the enemy. It really is because mm-hmm. his number one tool, tool is discouragement. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and comparison serves two functions, two polar functions, one to either puff us up or one, the other is to tear us down. When I'm comparing myself on social media, to somebody that does the same thing I do, I'm either saying, dang, they're charging so much more or they're so much more booked or that dress, they're just rocking that dress or they're so much taller or this is so much easier for them or blah, 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 blah. Or I'm saying, oh, look, I look so much better than her or I'm so much funnier than her or, right? I mean, it's two comparisons. So I keep my blinders on. I run the race and the people running the race are not checking over their left and right shoulder to see what they're doing. You know, I've been reading the story of uh, the Chariots of Fire guy, Eric, yeah. Eric Waddell, the Scottish runner. And um, he had this kind of signature thing he did counterintuitive to what the other runners would do. And in his last quarter of the race, no matter what length of the race he was running, he would like throw his eye, his head back, his mouth open, his eyes closed and flail as if the Lord was leading him to the finish line instead of him having to see. And he was not checking to the left and to the right. When he ran the 400, because, you know, the big story is he refused to run in the Olympics on the 100. It was on the Sabbath day because of his respect for the Lord. He refused to run it. Instead, running in the 400, which was not his race, he drew outside lane. Everybody said he's going to lose because outside lane is the one where you can see everybody else and you have to pace everybody else and you just get all out of whack. He wasn't worried about everybody else. He ran. He ran as if to the glory of God. He ran with his own race in mind. I cannot be better than you because I am not you. We are wonderfully, carefully, perfectly made and individually made. Our chromosomes are different. Our DNA is different. Our age, stage, life, and development is so different. Our family makeup is different. Our parenting journeys are different. Why would I expect you to be the same as me and vice versa? So in instances like the minivan, then you do have to talk to yourself sternly, but kindly. And you have to say, praise the Lord, my band's paid off. No ill will towards that person. Honestly, you know, my mom, my mom said one time, sometimes if you deal with coveting, maybe you have to say, I love that they have that house. And someday maybe I'll have one like that for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I even think differently. I just think, you know, praise God for the house that I have. I love it. And I'm so happy they have a button that opens their door. (laughs) You know, I, I just can't. Uh, I can't live there. It breeds discontent. I don't follow a lot of people on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm not on people's email list. I don't know what a lot of other people are doing. It's because I know my human nature. Ziegler and I had this in common. Mm. Um, I read in his book at one point, he talked about the fact that he was at a sales convention at one point. He went down to the hotel bar and he ordered a drink and he liked it. And then he went, mm, you know what? I can... I can see this is status quo and I can see this is what people are doing and this is normal behavior. However, I also have to know myself and know that I have addictive behavior and I can see where this might become a problem. Therefore, I'm making a conscious decision to never do this again. And he didn't. 
And so with myself, if I see people that say, oh, I'm addicted to Mad Men. I can't wait for the next episode. Or this about us has me crying and weeping in the floor. I can't wait for the next episode. I run from those things that have me comparing or addicted or in patterns that defeat me because I have to run my own race. I can't compare. Um, One of the saddest stories, I think, several years ago, I got to go to the Oscar. Oh, wow. I went to an Oscar. It was actually an Oscars night party that Elton John hosted to raise money for his uh, fight to find a, a cure for AIDS. So, um, it was somebody had gifted me some tickets, and it was really very exciting. Lots of stars, lots of hoopla, lots of supermodels, the red carpet, the whole nine yards. And I remember I was still dealing with my own weight issues. I was kind of in between at that point. So, of course, I was worried if I was dressed enough because I'm not a superstar. Am I dressed enough? Am I not? But what I noticed as we're all in line, so we're in line with celebrities, we're in line with supermodels with the most beautiful people in the world, the people that are most focused on with the camera in the world. And here's what I noticed. I'm looking to my left and to my right. Almost every woman that I see is checking out every other woman and saying, I hear these conversations in, in thick accents. In, so, so I'm guessing European models, you know, in all these accents and all these different ages saying, maybe you should have worn the shirt. She wore and second guessing and comparing and ruining their enjoyment of the night because of how they were comparing themselves to everybody else in the line. And I thought, wow, wow, we can't even take the time to celebrate the fact that you earn the right to be here. The most beautiful people in the world. There are cameras lined up along each line to take your picture and celebrate you. Yes, to critique some of you, but but that's human nature. And that's what we do. And that's why I love elementary age kids because they don't give a rip. They don't give a rip what everybody else is wearing. They don't care if you like their hair or not. You know, then we hit 11 or 12 and then everything goes to pot, right? We care. Everybody's opinion matters. And, but it defeats us. It doesn't build us up. It doesn't make us smarter. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to stop the comparison. You've got to be your best you. You may not ever be the best, but can you be the best you that the Lord created you to be or that your DNA is designed for you to be. And I think that's all we're called to do. And you're just back to, back to belief. Okay. Well, you just let us in. I like your Oscar party, uh, beautiful people checking themselves out or checking other people out that. Okay. So last, last video here, I'll, I'll end this here. You have another video folks. Go see this one. I like this. And I was checking them all out. Success is in the eye of the beholder. And you made the statement early on that gratitude is the catalyst for everything we do. I stopped right there. Gratitude is the catalyst for everything we do. Now I went right away to my aspirations and things that I am, I am working on achieving right now. And I thought, I, that, I don't know if that's my default for my personal progress. I, I, I get myself amped up to make something happen. I'm focusing on, you know, hope and vision. And you say gratitude is the catalyst for everything we do. So it stopped me and I'm going to hand that to you and ask you to school me. Yeah, because I remember the last time we talked in that last podcast. And guys, if you haven't heard that, I I would encourage you to go look at that. We've gotten amazing feedback on that conversation last year. And that's because it stopped you in your tracks there too. And you said, oh, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty in the not celebrating, but always aspiring to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact is, I think we have to be grateful for where we are. You just talked earlier about your amazing kids. Um, I, I'm an aspirer. I'm an achiever and I'm in constant motion. I'm in a crazy, crazy season right now that Aaron and I were talking about earlier. And I got a text from my mom the other day. It's going to choke me up. My mom is not by nature an encourager. My mom is a realist and my mom is a protector and my mom is a little bit of a stoic. But my mom's also been listening to me train for 20 years. And so she's doing a lot better. She sent me a text the other day and she said, She's also got the gift of discernment. And she said, I just want to tell you today that if you stopped this project and that project and you just stayed home to love Eddie and the kids today for the rest of your life, that your dad and I are so proud 
of who you are and who you've become and all that you've impacted. Carrie, you don't have to do one more thing to I just saw Eric Waddell go across the finish line with right. his head back. Head back, yeah. right. So not that that's why I'm doing those things, yeah. but she wanted to let me off the hook in case I was working. Right. Yeah. So I think sometimes we're working for that next mark, that next checkbox, that next grade, that next whatever. And sometimes we do have to say, gosh, I have a book. <laughs> I have a published book. Gosh, I, my kids have seen me on a stage in front of people. My kids think I'm a rock star. I'm so grateful for that. I am. I am because my kids have a different view of what women can do and maybe what women should do and how strong women should be, but also how uh, respectful they can and should be and what should be their guide and what should be their focus. My kids have this really great view um, because of a cross-section of things that I've done and that they've seen. I'm grateful for my house in the suburb on you know, the little cul-de-sac. I am grateful for our adoption. I'm grateful for so many things that my mom's right. We, we need to be at a point that we can say, you know what? If we had a Johnny Erickson Tata moment where we're diving into the pool today and everything changes tomorrow, what are we grateful for already? Are we grateful for health or family? You talked earlier about so grateful for your, dad, your parents' role model. Oh my gosh, my dad is a star. My mom and dad, I mean, I hit the lotto with my mom and dad, not wealth-wise, but just role model-wise. My parents, I hold them in such high esteem. I am grateful to have them as my role models, but also that my kids get to have them as role models because I lost my grandparents early. So every day I have gratitude for the relationship my kids have parents, as grandparents, you know? So I think gratitude is huge. And when we're worried about bills or next house or next car or whatever, if we stop and think of a couple of things we're grateful for, it really does change things. It's hard to be a sourpuss or critical when you're being grateful. It's hard to be mad at your spouse when you stop and make yourself list several things that you're grateful for. You, my husband almost thinks he's in trouble when I say, I'm so grateful for how you, because he knows that's how I retrain myself. He says, uh-oh, uh-oh, what am I in trouble for? No, nope. It really is just now a pattern of gratitude. So uh, gratitude is a huge catalyst in all things. Be grateful. I mean, we're breathing. We live in the richest, freest country. Whether we disagree with the politics or not, whether we're excited about healthcare premiums or not, whether we love our situation or our, our climate or our allergies or not, the opportunity for where we are is amazing to choose schools. How many kids do we get to have? We get to pick who we marry. And here's the irony in America. We get to pick who we marry so that we can spend the rest of our lives like complaining about who we marry. What in the world? That's, that's broken. That, that last part's a little broken, y'all. Nobody assigned them to you. So that being said, um, gratitude is huge. Gratitude is really huge. And uh, yeah, I think it's a big catalyst. We can be grateful for a client who maybe is not the best fit, but we're grateful to have the client and to serve them for the short period that we've decided we're going to serve them, right? Grateful. Hard to complain when you're grateful. I am grateful we're having this conversation (laughs) today. The last show we did together was 394. It was called The Labels That Bind and Free Us. Uh, some 50 to 60,000 people downloaded that thing. But as you said, the trickle down was in the hundreds of thousands. It was incredible. Folks go listen to that one. But I think we just eclipsed it because you mentioned giving your kids a view, a different view, a higher view of what women can do. I think today, no, today you just gave us all a different and higher view of what we can do. Thank you so much for being with us, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, friends, I'm not going to ask if you are inspired right now. I know you are. Give Carrie thanks by leaving a review in iTunes for The Ziggler Show and tell her why she gave you value, why you're inspired, and help others discover Ziggler. Also, connect with Carrie at CarrieWilkerson.com. Again, that's C-A-R-R-I-E-W-I-L-K-E-R-S-O-N. 
Well, coming up is, uh, can you guess it? It's our habits show with Carrie. We get behind the scenes with her and figure out, hey, is she just Wonder Woman incarnate? Well, as you heard in the show, she digs Wonder Woman. But no, she is not. She had no leg up more than you or me. But she had desire and she did the work. And she really, truly wants to help you and me achieve And it comes from daily habits. Uh, Some of the highlights from her own were this. At 29 years old, she was 5 foot 2 and weighed 266 pounds. And what did she do to get to where she is today? She's 45 and is 150 pounds lighter. Uh, She believes her brain is her biggest asset and she eats to feed her brain. She guards her sleep, especially before a speaking engagement. Financially, she believes upgrading is a disease we need to stop in our culture. Uh, She thinks multitasking is a myth, and her personal vice is musicals. So till then, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 